Welcome to Warrior's Day Off, a podcast where we will share stories of life's unexpected struggles and conversations about the many faces of courage, strength, hope, and survival. So it's with an open heart, an open mind, and without judgment that we begin this experience together. I'm Jennifer Eby. Everyone has a story, and each is unique to their personal circumstances. At Warrior's Day Off, we are simply a safe place where guests and listeners can take a break from society's expectations or definition of what strong looks like, sounds like, and feels like. It's not our intention to provide medical or legal advice, nor to suggest that any one way is the right way. I'm inspired by these stories. Perhaps you will be too. May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am proud to help raise awareness through my podcast. In episode six, we heard about the groundbreaking NAMI Miraval Alliance and the new complimentary tools available online. Well, today we will meet two members of the Miraval team who are responsible for curating the award-winning experiences and services at Miraval. For years, Miraval has received awards such as Best of the Best for Wellness Retreat, Best Wellness Resort, Best Wellness Program, Best All-Inclusive Resorts, Best Spa Destinations Around the World, from publications like Condé Nast Traveler, Virtuoso, World Spa Awards, U.S. News & World Report, Travel & Leisure, The Rob Report, and more. Our guests today, Simon Markser and Luke Bloom, are the inspiring thought leaders who bring imagination, authenticity, and meaning to wellness. With more than 20 years of experience, Simon Markser joined Miraval Group as Director of Spa and Wellbeing. He oversees all spas and creates the innovative treatments and services that uphold Miraval's longstanding position as a pioneer in the spa space. Prior to his homecoming to Miraval, Simon was the Vice President of Business Development at Red Flower. Before joining Red Flower, Simon served as the Spa Director at Miraval, where he oversaw the spa's renovation and conceptualized the design and launch of over 40 signature Miraval-branded services. He has also served as a Spa Director of the Boulder's Waldorf Astoria Collection, Managing Director of Cornelia Day Resort, and the Spa Director of Canyon Ranch. He has a Bachelor's of Arts from the University of Vermont. Luke Bloom is the Director of Integrative Wellness at Miraval Berkshires Resort and Spa in Lenox, Massachusetts, where he helps guests find their authentic path to achieve holistic health, wellness, and a life in balance. He uses nature immersion and principles of experiential education to help guests find their individual peak experiences. Luke grew up in the Berkshire Hills of Massachusetts and lives in Lenox with his wife and two children where they raise a variety of animals and crops on their small farm and can be found enjoying everything outdoors. Simon, Luke, welcome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Before we lift the curtain, hear about your magic um, and find out how you ended up in the wellness field, I kind of want to know like what animals and crops you have on your small farm. (laughs) So what do do I? I want to know. (laughs) So Jennifer, we 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 raise all of our own vegetables when 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 we can here in Zone Five A, and we pickle them and and keep them so we can eat fresh all year long, which is great. we also have a enormous flock of chickens, ducks, 
turkeys, we have horses, and hopefully soon getting some goats. So, you know, trying to balance it all out, not just great for us, it's great for our kids. That's awesome. <laughs> there, there are many things I didn't get a chance to try when I was at Miraval in Arizona, and I know there are new ones that have come out since. So can you tell me what's new at Miraval, what's tried and true, and would you describe some of the different types of experiences offered at Miraval, either one of you? Well, Luke, why don't you start off as I think the Berkshires has got some really exciting stuff upcoming, especially for this summer. If you'd start us off, I think it'd be a great place to begin. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Jennifer, the, the Berkshires are an absolute cornucopia of things to do for wellness, which is one of the reasons we're, we're so excited to have a Miraval here on the East Coast um, and particularly here in the Berkshires. And for us, one of the things that we really lean into is this idea of transitioning with the different seasons. So coming out of winter, moving into spring and the rebirth that the earth brings us allows us to really get immersed into nature, which is one of the things that we really focus a lot on here. So while we do have a lot of, you know, foundational experiences that are shared between the properties um, that are the Miraval experiences, it's interesting that each one kind of has its own flavor. And particularly here, we are all about getting into the outdoors. So some of the really nice things that we're looking forward to are more longer immersive experiences um, that are going to keep people out into the out of doors, engaging in multiple modalities inside of a kind of a singular experience. So, you know, for an example of that would be um, a kayak hike combination activity where we'll take folks out to one of the most pristine lakes in the Berkshires here and, and do about a three or four mile paddle. We'll have another group hike in on the Appalachian Trail. They'll meet in the middle and have lunch and go for a swim in this just beautiful high alpine lake. And then the groups will switch out. The folks that paddled in will hike out. The folks that hiked in will paddle out. It is an amazing way to immerse yourself and reconnect with what is inherently ours, which is, a, you know, the connection to the greater than human world. It's just one example of the many things we'll have going on here this summer. Simon, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, gosh. You know, I just think <laughs> Luke and his team has done such a beautiful job, you know, and to use your word, curating experiences that really feature the Berkshires. And I think that's part of the philosophy for our programming is built around just that, which is trying to cultivate the inspiration that's around us at all times, fundamentally in, in creating a sense of well-being. Well, one of the principles is, is really tuning into all that surrounds us. And I think in terms of where Miraval is headed in new programming and new approaches is to really to really help people tune into those things, to tune into a, a simple walk in the woods, the cultivation of, <clears throat> excuse me, a connection to nature and, and finding a stillness in nature that we struggle to cultivate in ourselves at times, um, I think is a beautiful example of just the, the inspiration for the direction of our our sort of programmatic approach moving forward. How do you come up with the ideas for the types of experiences and services that you've been cultivating or creating for so many years? Gosh, you know, we, we count heavily on, you know, the gifts of those who create the Miraval experience and their inspiration. I think, you know, so many of the experiences that 
uh, have evolved at Miraval have really been the genesis of those programs, have been the inspiration uh, or passion of one of our team members uh, brought to life and brought to our guests through a process that involves really just trying to understand best how, how to meet people where they are. One of the principles of Miraval is meeting people where they are. And so many times we'll have an individual who may work in one capacity, but is passionate about another and uh, passionate about some dimension of well-being that's unexplored for us and really helping those those folks explore those passions, explore those uh, those gifts has has led to a great deal of our programming. And and, and I think it, to, to boil it down to its, its essence, it's really trying to, you know, connect with people and connect people through their experience, both to themselves and to the staff members or colleagues that create that experience. And when, when people leave, usually what they talk about that has shifted them and their experience is that connection with that staff member or individual who, who helped them connect with themselves at some level. When I always you know, try to explain the essence of Miraval to people, that's fundamentally what is at its essence is, is that sense of connection, right? For example, the part of what, you know, Luke articulated so well earlier is, is what our team's role is, is to build those connections, whether it be nature um, or, or, or connecting to yourself, connecting to, you know, the opportunity to, uh, to make decisions that are aligned with, you know, what you'd like to have or be in, in your life and making those connections to the present moment um, really, you know, is what marks, I, I think, so many of the relationships and, and the connections that people make with our team is, you know, affording people that opportunity. Gosh, it's such a gift that I think that is what energizes our team at some level and, and really builds those bonds uh, between our guests and our colleagues. When you, when you think so, Luke? One of the things that I think that, that Miraful has really excelled at is finding people that have an authentic voice about what they like to do and, and, like, and like to share that with other people. They're healers, they're teachers. Um, and the one thing that I think is, is that in response to a lot of the programming that we start to kind of put forth and develop, um, we hear from our guests, well, when I come to the Berkshires, I want to live like a local. <laughs> I, I want to be able to do this. So being able to find people that are really passionate about the threads of in the modalities that that we put into our programming is so powerful because it's so pure and it's so authentic, right? And I think you can feel that when you are here. And to me, that that's one of the ways that we're able to try to develop and come up with new programs is, is look at some of our providers that are super authentic about that and say, well, what would you do on Saturday? Right? Because this is what we want to do. We want to be able to share what we're passionate about. And we want to share the medicine that we have been granted by others and just pay that forward. And I think that's a really driving force behind how we start to develop programming. But what are some of the secret elements that go into planning some of your new programming? Oh, gosh, my biggest secret is Luke Bloom. <laughs> <laughs> that is my biggest secret. That is my, and the my cornucopia. secret. No, I, gosh, you know, I, I think just really trying to understand the needs of our guests, which, which are ever evolving. I mean, I tend to think that when we think about what the goal is of, of a Miraval experience is, is to create an experience that is not prescriptive, um, that is individual and that can be personalized through each of our guests' intention. And I, and I think, you know, each guest being able to dictate 
their own path, their own experience is, is one of the, the secrets to a successful programmatic approach to, to bringing well-being to people, which is to allow them to play a role in creating that because after they leave, they are going to be responsible for that themselves. And I think understanding the needs of our guests as they shift and change, and we are coming out of you know, this period of forced reflection, which has shifted so many things in so many of our lives. And part of emerging from you know this challenging time is learning some of the lessons that will, will sustain us and help fuel, I, what I think of it as sort of a post-traumatic growth after what we've lived through. And part of that is being able to rediscover the value of leaning on others and and building connection and community. And I think, uh, you know, Luke has done a beautiful job. There's an activity um, called the High Wild Woozy, which uh, where, where, where guests must be forced to rely and lean on one another to complete the activity. And and that is an important lesson as we, as I mentioned, sort of emerged from this period of forced reflection and and the challenges it represents to reconnect with others and to be able to lean on others in a way that uh, we must all both learn to do and, and, and do regularly to be healthy. But that was, those are some of the pieces. Uh, Luke, I'm sure you can build on that. You know, I, to, to me, Jennifer, I think at its core, Miraval is a place of education, not just recreation. And there is a discernible difference between the two. Um, as a place of education, really what we're trying to do is introduce you to all these different modalities of wellness and modalities that can help you find your own path to health, particularly post-COVID, right? Everybody's going to have to find their own path to wellness and to health. So to be able to introduce people to all of these different modalities and help them figure out how are they going to apply those lessons when they leave Miraval is to me exactly what the education component is. So when we teach an archery class here, it's not because we want you to be a master hunter by the time it's done, right? What we do wanna do is use that opportunity to focus on being present and using archery as a modality for mindfulness and for slowing down, right? And paying attention to all of those things because those that's the transferable skill set that you can apply after you leave the Miraval bubble. And to us, that's that's the most important, right? Is that you're building skills and you're building tools here in a supported environment that you can apply to your everyday life once you leave Miraval. And to me, that is the discernible difference between education and recreation. And we are most certainly a place of education. Would you say that's the one of the big differentiators between Miraval and some of the other resorts and spas out there as well? I've been fortunate enough to work in this industry for quite a while. And to me, it is hands down the most palpable difference between anywhere else that I've worked without question. Can you tell us about some of the other outdoor adventures? Because just the names alone kind of evoked a visceral response by looking at the tightrope. It was like swinging a prayer, out on a limb, desert tyrant, face to face. So can you just talk a little bit about some of those? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, you know, every, everything that you just described falls into our challenge course activities. And, you know, the challenge course is such an amazing opportunity. It is a tool. And it's a tool for us to to be able to um, really kind of help you with this concept known as situational identification, right? Are we able to differentiate between the perception of risk and the actuality of risk? And that's really what the ropes course and all of those activities represents, our opportunity to look at the things that we may be afraid of 
look at the things that we may see as challenging and really start to analyze why are we going down that path? Is this something that could really hurt me? Or is this something that we're looking at from a fear-based model, right? False evidence appearing real. Because in most cases, that's really what we're talking about. And when we really engage inside of the ropes course activities, it gives us that opportunity to slow down, identify the things that are real and identify the things that are perception. And once you've taken the time to be mindful about that approach, really you start to recognize how often in a day you talk yourself out of things that have no basis or foundation of truth. And to me, that's really one of the things that the ropes course and the challenge course represents is an opportunity. Because while you might be going through that experience, one of the true things is, is that going into a challenge offers us the opportunity for authentic growth because authentic growth happens outside of comfort not inside of comfort right? right and until you willingly engage to that and put that fear-based model down now really what we're talking about are building skills and building tools so the next time that you're in an uncomfortable scenario with your significant other or with a colleague at work or something appears like it may hurt you, can you use those tools and sit down and say, wait a second, this isn't actual. What I've done is I've talked myself into this and now I'm gonna focus on the task at hand, use these tools that I've now increased my toolkit with and I'm going to apply it to this situation. And to me, that's really what the rope source and the challenge course represents, regardless of whatever activity you choose to do. Do you have some examples of the types of emotions or psychological process a guest works through? To me, we run into that all the time. And everybody is individual. and Everybody has their own life story. So there is no one cookie cutter answer to that. Um, and I think one of the things that is really important is leading with vulnerability. What we're really trying to do is try to get people to elicit this response, but, but sometimes it's very uncomfortable being vulnerable. Um, and I know particularly being raised in the United States, being a male in this society, this was something where vulnerability was never something that was largely pushed, at least upon myself. Um, and it's something that I really needed to learn to practice. And it was really, really interesting is, is once we start to engage in that and we, we start to lead with this idea of being vulnerable, man, it opens up an entirely new world to us. And in most cases, it, it has a lot to do with our ego, right? The idea of cultivating skills that allow you to put ego down, to enter into a vulnerable state, and then really see what happens on the other end of that can be a very, very powerful, powerful process. And for me, it's not something I really started engaging into until probably well into my 30s. And I really, really wished it's something that I had practiced earlier on because it makes a big difference. Was there some experience that you had that led you to that place in the 30s that opened you up to that vulnerability? Uh, you know what? There was, and it had to do with the birth of my first son. I, I grew up playing all different kinds of sports. I grew up playing rugby. I grew up playing all these. And I, you know, when I had my first son, first of all, I, I knew nothing about being a father. <laughs> right. And so I, I wanted him to, to have all these same experiences as, as that I did. And when my son was three, he was diagnosed with autism. And for the longest time, I, I, my wife and I were like, oh, this is going to be a dam that just kind of breaks, right? It's going to be fine. He's going to be able to talk. Okay. Once he gets to 10 and 
and what I realized was after a while was is that my son wasn't interested in any of those things, right? And that was my pure ego as, as a father getting in the way of his development. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow, I have to be honest with you. First of all, I didn't know anything about being a dad, and I didn't know anything about autism, <laughs> right? So I know trying to navigate these waters was really, really, it was difficult for me, and it was, it was challenging. But once I recognized that it was my ego that was getting in the way of my son's development, it was almost like a light switch flipped, and, and I made the choice to put that down. And for me, that was probably the first time that I remember being okay with being vulnerable. And I, I felt like I was in waters that I just didn't know how to navigate. And it was at that point that my son really became the teacher and I became the student it's because he can't verbally express himself the way that you and I are. It doesn't mean that he doesn't understand and, and can't be an active and positive member of these things. It meant that I had really had to switch how we were going to communicate. And to me, that switch has been absolutely game-changing in terms of how I communicate with people, how I communicate with my son. I think I've learned a tremendous amount of patience in the idea of patience being this concept of, of seeing the world how it is, not how I want it to be. <laughs> and to me, that was a really big piece of, of my development and something that we try to apply those lessons to our programming here because those lessons are, are parallel and applicable every day. Simon, you know I'm coming to you next, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think, you know, gosh, you know, in listening to Luke share, one of the things that people so frequently overlook is the impact of this work on those who do it and those who offer the experiences. And, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that if, if we think about the secrets of Miraval, the secrets of experiences that would, you know, by delivering some of these programs and delivering some of these experiences, you know, that are so restorative and they can be renewing for those who deliver them as well. And these are themes that are common to all people. And, and that's, I think when we think about the themes that and experiences that people uh, sort of move through with our programming, it's, you know, Luke has shared some of perfect examples of, you know, discovering a sense of vulnerability. And, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we offer an experience based on Kintsugi, which is a the repairing of pottery that has been fractured. So we take a vessel and that is, is broken and fractured and reassemble it with a golden lacquer, which is one in at face value is an experience with a, of a creative arts, but two affords the opportunity to explore some themes uh, around shame and around the concealment of the fractures that life leaves behind inevitably in all of us. And the, the narrative that we tell ourselves that we need to conceal those instead of understanding they represent the points that are actually the, the strongest uh, within us and, and also are most beautiful. What someone experiencing a Kintsugi class uh, may go through will be different by person and by design right, is to sort of explore these things. Uh, one person, you know, may, may experience a, a shift in sort of self-concept and permission to be, you know, at some level um, less than perfect. Another may experience about image. And so people go through a variety and, and by design, you know, everyone should have an individual experience. Well-being is personal. It's personal. And, and to identify, a, again, a prescriptive or uh, overly defined approach to it is to remove the, the most critical part, which is each of us. 
And, you know, if we emerge through our, you know, experiences and our Miraval experiences with one thing, it should truly be a, a better sense that the greatest resource available to all of us is, believe it or not, isn't even Miraval. <laughs> it is ourselves, right? It is, it is understanding that we uh, both are the agents, but also the greatest resource for change, for courage, for uh, the fortitude and the resilience that the world demands of us, uh, I think is, uh, is fundamentally the message we'd like to hand in, in for every guest to cultivate in, through their Miraval experience. Mm-hmm. Luke mentioned something about men and the willingness to be vulnerable. Are you seeing as many men as well as women seeking out wellness experiences? Gosh, yes. I mean, I I think one of the elements when we think of the evolving face of Miraval, one of the shifts that has been just a pleasant surprise is the number of men seeking out both an opportunity to establish either a self-care practice or further refine their self-care practice and gain a better understanding of themselves and the benefits of mindfulness and the benefits of having some level of self-care and again self-awareness. Men are are seeking out the Miraval experience more often now than uh, since I joined in 2007. It's, It's completely different demographic, which is quite refreshing to see. It also is one of those sort of forced evolutions of our experiences to meet them where they are and their needs. And I think that, um, you know, part of what Luke has articulated and described, part of what is essential for us to deliver is experiences that allow people to be vulnerable and allow them to explore things in a safe place. And I, I think that we all benefit from them, but men frequently do struggle with some of the challenges uh, and, and perceived risks of vulnerability. For me, that was something that I wish I had paid attention to much earlier on, (laughs) because I feel like I was fed false information for a long time. I think what this place and what Miraval represents is an opportunity for people to come here, recognize that it is not a detriment, it is an asset (laughs) when, when we are able to engage in that, and it can be challenging, right? And it can be, and it can be difficult, but when you're able to go into a place that has an attitude has the ethos of vulnerability, has an amazing staff that's willing to lead with vulnerability. Now, again, what we're talking about is educating ourselves and breaking some stigmas that many of us grew up with. And I think that is the hardest part, right? The hardest part is getting over the hump. And I think really what Miraval represents in the fact that, you know, in the last five years, more people are starting to recognize that this is important, not just for personal growth, but for positive relationships, for community engagement, for the overall health and well-being of our community and everybody around us. And for that, I, I am very, very grateful that people are starting to recognize and men are starting to come to a place where that is held as a quality and held as something that we want to help you achieve And the results are amazing, right? It's something that I think is important and imperative for everybody. And it just helps with communication. It helps with self-esteem. It helps with self-care. And it helps with creating and formulating a plan on how you want to incorporate that with the people closest to you. And to me, that is really just what, what we're looking for. What do you guys do to stay grounded? 
for me, it's nature immersion, hands down. If I had to identify one thing, it, it is getting out and reconnecting with the things that have inherently been kind of robbed for us. Our connection with the greater than human world has so much to offer. It's part of the reason we, we raise animals at our house, right? It's so our children can help be a part of that. And they can start learning those lessons very, very early on with the idea that those will be applicable lessons later on in their life, when they go to college, when they get into a relationship, when they get married, when they move forward. So to me, those are the lessons that nature immersion and connection with the outside and the greater than human world can offer all of us. Yeah, for, for me, it's not dissimilar. I mean, I think being in nature and being outside is incredibly grounding. I, I am in, in, live in Tucson normally, and one of the things I enjoy is just being out in the Catalina Mountains and the, the scale and the enormity of those mountains. And it is both humbling and offers perspective, uh, which is that sometimes the things in our lives seem enormous. They are quite small and in scale to other things and the nature affords that perspective. And so it's a, uh, I think a, a tremendous resource that wonderfully people are rediscovering the benefits as of getting outside more and more. What wellness trends do you see evolving in 2021? Well, gosh, you know, I think there are so many dimensions of wellness and well-being that are continuing to evolve. I think one as a priority in people's lives, well-being has just come much more to the fore. And I, what I think is going to be terribly important, not not only for Miraval but in the world, is helping. There are very few places for people to go and learn about their well-being. That was explained to people that Miraval fills this gap, which is exists between you know the checkout line in your grocery store and your doctor's office and there is a broad range of opportunities to learn about about well-being and a wellness practice that you know people are becoming more and more driven to explore and i think you know one of the trends will be just the lesson of miraval which is understanding the the benefits of mindfulness and fundamentally, Miraval is founded on a mindful uh, experience and the lessons of mindfulness. And, and I see that only growing uh, as people begin to understand the value for self-regulation, for uh, truly being able to enjoy the moments we have, as well as being fully present in our lives and in our relationships, the values and benefits of mindfulness, I think, are going to come to the fore, certainly in the, in the coming months and years. Um, and, and, and also the fundamentally the support of one's uh, mental health and mental well-being, I think, is going to be incredibly important. And mindfulness is, plays a critical role in uh, supporting our, our mental health and well-being. And people are becoming more and more aware of the efforts that uh, are required to maintain one's mental health and mental well-being. I know for the first time, Miraval has made videos, meditation, some other tools available and accessible to anyone online. Are there other uh, applications that you anticipate that you will be doing to help more people access some of the tools and skills that you were describing if they can't necessarily afford to go to a Miraval resort? 
Yes, I think that the ever-evolving in demand for the lessons of Miraval, we, we are constantly looking at ways to deliver those to those who are, are seeking them. And I think the tools online, such as the meditations and other sort of educational tools, are going to be a critical sort of arm of the Miraval experience. So that will be a priority for us moving forward. And I think realizing how much people need that uh, and really wanting to be able to offer the genesis of creating those those videos and tools, those tools to help support those who are not able to come to the resort. Is there anything I haven't asked either of you about that you would like to share on this podcast? Luke, go ahead. Anything? Jennifer, just wanted to thank, first of all, thank you for this opportunity. It's it's incredibly important to get this information out. This, as we kind of talked about, the idea of mindfulness and the idea of, of staying present, the idea of leading with vulnerability. These are all concepts that can help every single person in this world, right? And being able to take those concepts and apply them to our everyday lives is exactly, to me, the recipe for success as we all start to navigate our own path to wellness moving forward. And just being able to access things like videos when you can't come here, to be able to take and share that medicine with everybody into the entire community of people is a really exciting concept in a way that I think we can collectively all move forward as a society and as a humanity, <laughs> moving um, moving to a place where we can be healthier and we can all be kinder and we can all be more sympathetic and move to empathy and have the things that really matter the most to keep us where we need to be to be healthy in our own lives. So I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I, I would really like to just hang out with you guys all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah. And and if I just add one thing, Jennifer, you know, I think the need to explore some of the themes that Lucas touched on and as, as he identified is is universal. And I, I think one of the things that I think is just terribly important that real people for people to think about when they think about making time to explore these things, making time to enjoy themselves and come from of all experiences that it has far-reaching implications and, and I'll share just a personal anecdote you know part of I ended up at Miraval was an experience I had with an equine in Tucson and it was a very powerful and moving experience for me but it was also incredibly powerful to see the impact on those who I experienced it with and I will never forget the conclusion of the sort of processing at the end and I think it's important to understand that the impact of these experiences are, are, are yes it's paramount that, that we care for ourselves but also they have a benefit to both our community and the world that I think is frequently unseen. And I think it's terribly important that we focus on self-care and renewal, not solely for our own benefit, but also for those around us and making the time to take a trip to Miraval, even if it's, you know, once a year, I think is a, is a worthwhile endeavor, not only for oneself, but also for loved ones and, um, and in your community. So there's a, a large, large scope of influence on some of the themes we've talked about today. One quick question that I haven't asked is the differences between, you have three properties, Austin, Texas, Tucson, and uh, up in the Berkshires in Lenox, Massachusetts. Are they all different? I've only been to the one in Arizona, so I don't know. Are there similarities and differences? 
We'll, yeah. we'll be ready for you at, at each of the other locations <laughs> when you're ready and then any future. So, yes, you know, when we talked about the initial stages of the sort of the expansion of Miraval, there was a thought process, you know, that was terribly important for us n- not to have a uniformity, but instead for them to be unified, right, instead of uniform. And I think the unification of the themes of the experience uh, are consistent across property versus a uniformity across property. So, you know, the Miraval experience is created by individuals and to expect that one would duplicate and have a level of uniformity would not take into consideration that individuals create these experiences. So, uh, though there are consistent themes and many of them that we've touched on today across each of the properties, they are necessarily unique and they are necessarily distinct in their experience and speak to place, ideally. So when we think about the Berkshires, so much of what the the beauty there is, it's our first experience with seasons and and the changing seasons and the parallels we find in our lives of about those changes in seasons, both in our life and, and those in nature surrounding us. And in Austin, you know, really trying to capitalize on on the uniqueness of that setting, a little edgy uh, dimension to some of the programming as well as celebrating that, which is local. We did some programming around a Blue Bonnet Festival, which is their state flower recently. And it's an example of an opportunity to take some of the themes of Miraval and the themes and explore them based on uh, the local flavor and the local experience uh, uh, so that you have a distinct and separate experience uh, that feels connected to place, which is, I think, terribly important. They are each celebrate their difference, yet are linked with many of the common things we've discussed today. Thank you so much, Simon and Luke. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much. Um, for more information about Miraval Resorts, they can visit miravalresorts.com. And then each of the locations have their own websites and Instagram pages, right? Correct. All right. So there's Miraval Berkshires, Miraval Austin. And I think the Instagram page was miraval.arizona. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so for, much. Jennifer. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. A special thanks to my friends who made this podcast possible today and to the listeners out there. Thanks for giving me a chance and for your time. Rate and review this episode and share with your friends. I find inspiring stories are all around. You just have to tune in. Thanks for joining us today at Warrior's Day Off. This is Jen Eby. You got this.